Hello and welcome to the MDDDS podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kyle Fagala, and this is the last episode of 2017. So we've made it 15 episodes into this. We've covered a lot of really great topics in our, I guess you could say, inaugural year of doing this in our inaugural semester, as it were, and uh, I've really enjoyed it. We've, we've grown a group now, which is really close-knit, and uh, really appreciate everyone in that group. If you've still not attended the group or you're interested in doing so, we'll be back in uh, 2018, so the first, I believe the first Monday in January, whatever that is, uh, we'll be back together, and you'll see that online. We'll make some updates about that. We'll be talking about how to start the new, uh, new year off uh, the best you can from a spiritual standpoint. But tonight we're going to have Eric Gentry speaking to us. Eric is the preaching minister at Highland Church of Christ where I attend. He does a very good job from the pulpit but also in the classroom. He's an excellent teacher and he's going to be wrapping up our Mere Christianity series with a look at the final book of that which is called Beyond Personality, a look at the Trinity and a lot more. It's a really great class. I've sat through it before and uh, man, I look forward to you being able to experience it for the first time. So here we go with Eric Gentry. All right, y'all. Thanks for being here. Uh, all right, so here's we'll start with some discussion. Um, don't don't read ahead. You've probably already looked at the thing, the first line here. So this is what C.S. Lewis says is kind of answer to this question. But you know, C.S. Lewis might be wrong. You might have a better answer than C.S. Lewis which let's be honest is unlikely, but you might, you might. Okay, so think about this question though. Uh, what is Christianity for? What is it for? So what's the purpose of Christianity? What is the purpose? Think about that for 15 seconds and then we'll see what you think. All right, I will if you want. You're listening on the podcast. Just think to yourself, what is, what is Christianity for? All right, so who's got an answer? What do you think? What is it for? Yeah, what's the purpose? I think it's to, to bring as many people as possible to the knowledge of God and Jesus. Yep, it's like a concern for the world basically for the world's relationship with God. Yeah. What else? What would you say? I think it gives us like a framework of maybe like how we can draw close to God and through Christ, obviously, like by the name of Christianity. But I think in thinking about Kyle's lesson yesterday at church and just thinking about like God and Yeah, makes God approachable. Mm-hmm. Yep, I think that's right. Anybody else? What's it for? Something like um, to make relationship with God possible. Relationship with God. Yeah, I like that. Let's jump. Let's jump off there. So look, look at what Lewis says. He's got these two great quotes in these chapters <clears throat> from Mere Christianity. If you ever, if you haven't read Mere Christianity. 
it's so awesome. Going back through it is great, and these chapters are really good. So in two places in here, he kind of gives us an idea of what he thinks this whole project is about. So right there under introduction, the Son of God became a man to enable men. This is, you know, before gender-inclusive language, so sorry about that. The Son of God became a man to enable men or, or humankind to become sons or children of God. And then that second line, the whole purpose for which we exist as followers of Christ is thus to be taken into the life of God, the life of God. <clears throat> so there's like two really critical words. If you were going to circle words in those lines, what you would circle in the, in the first one is sons of God, or you might write in children of God there. And if you were going to circle something in that second line, what I would circle is life of God because he he means something uh, with both of those words that's just not immediately evident as you just kind of read the word those both those words are just you know so common to us and so we see those all the time and but he he's there's kind of a nuance to what he means by those words and so we're going to kind of dive into what those words mean tonight and and particularly life that word life in his that second description is really critical because for lewis there's life, and then there's life, right? Like there's there's life, the one that you and I are living, and then there's something else that's much deeper, much more meaningful, and much greater. But it's also a kind of life. But um, it's 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 not only an improvement over the life that we're currently living, but it, it is another kind of life. So the difference is not only one of degree. That's one of the first blanks there. It's not only one of degree, but it's a difference in kind. So in that second one, the whole purpose for which we exist is thus to be taken into the life of God. He's talking about a different kind of life, not just a different degree of the life we're already living. I'm going to try to explain that. Anybody have a preliminary question on that? The whole, the whole class is kind of, the whole talk is trying to explain that. So the way he thinks about these two words, sons or children of God and life of God, the way he kind of approaches that is the relationship between God the Father and God the Son. So this is where this, this word, that nuance in that word is going to begin to come out. He's really going to think about the way that they are connected to each other and, and, and in addition, the way the Holy Spirit's connected to those two persons. So how are, how are God the Father and God the Son connected? So I've got a prop tonight, and uh, I considered doing Plato. Um, when I taught this the first time, and then also tonight, but uh, that seemed just too elementary. So instead, we have a Power Ranger, which is not elementary at all. So uh, okay, so you see this like Power Ranger here before me. Podcast world, we've got a blue Power Ranger. I forget what his name is, except for Blue Power Ranger. And um, so this guy, like you know, he's probably made probably in China. I think, yeah, he's made in China, and he's he's a bunch of pieces of plastic. Right, he's got these like tiny little screws that hold them together. He has batteries in there that, that worked at some time. This is a hand-me-down from uh, Brecian's son Dagan. So I don't know how old this thing is, but its battery has expired. We have not replaced it, and we we don't replace any batteries at our house. So as soon as it stops making noise, we want it to stop making noise. So um, so but if I were to give you the pieces to this Power Ranger, you could make him, right? Like you you could assemble him together. In fact. You could even go to the factory where the pl the plastic was poured into the mold before it hardened into those shapes, and like you could, you know, you're all med students. You could like 
you know the chemicals that go together to to make plastic you can figure that out you can tell me what that is and you could bring those things together and pour them into a big vat and pour it into these molds and then you could put them together with screws and stuff so you could you could make him right you could, you could make him which is a different thing than begetting something right so how do you beget something well well we, we talked about it we started talking, so we can go back to the, I don't know if we want that on no, podcast form. We had an extensive conversation about Viagra at the doctor at devotional tonight. So, um, yeah, so anyways, so yeah, you could explain that to me. Y'all know the process of beginning, and um, it's a great process. I recommend it. And, you, you know, like you can make, that's a, that's a different thing than making something, right? Begetting something's different than making. So this is what C.S. Lewis says. So when you beget something, you beget something of the same kind as you. So um, humans beget little humans, and beavers beget little beavers. Birds beget little birds. They beget little eggs that turn into little birds, right? All right. But birds make nests, or they build nests. Beavers build dams. Humans make computers, for example. So the difference between Jesus and us is that Jesus is the only what of the Father? The only begotten Son of the Father. Um, and so he's not, he's not made by God. He's begotten by God, which means he's of the same kind. Okay? So that is that there is a, a different kind of life in Jesus than there is in us because we are made by God and we're not begotten by God. Is that making sense? Is that intense? So like the difference between Jesus and us is a similar difference between this Power Ranger and me. Right? Like I am made by God in the same way this Power Ranger was made by me or somebody like me. And so the life that's in this Power Ranger doesn't compare at all to the life that's in me. In the same way that the life that's in Jesus as the begotten of God, that means he is the same kind as God, is totally different than the life that's in me. So now you're getting a hint at what Lewis means by life and life. There must be some kind of greater life than this one we live. Um, <clears throat> so, like, and, and, and let me make this point about the Power Ranger. He, he looks like a dude. He looks like a man. He's in the shape of a man. Uh, he, you know, he's got muscles and he can move somewhat. You know, he's got some mobility. But uh, so he, he, he's like in the shape or the likeness, maybe even the image of a man. But he's not a man. He's a plastic toy. I guess that seems pretty like dumb. But I think about um, Pinocchio is another good example of this. So Pinocchio, um, I'm not like real up to date on my Pinocchio lore, but... As I remember, he starts as a, a wooden toy, right? And he kind of becomes animated in some degree, but he's still not a real boy. And um, something transformative has to happen to Pinocchio for him to become a real boy. Doesn't he end up as a real boy? Doesn't he kind of get his, his dream? Spoiler alert. Yeah, yeah. spoiler alert. Uh, so, yeah, that's the kind of story that you know that, that, what was the guy's name who made Pinocchio? Yeah, Geppetto, that's right. So Geppetto like loves Pinocchio and he shapes him out of wood, but Pinocchio is not a real boy. He's, he's a piece of wood. And so it takes something transformative and powerful for him to 
be transformed into a real boy. And so the same kind of process would have to happen to us for us to move from the life we're living to this deeper life that C.S. Lewis has imagined for us. Uh, the difference between those two lives are biological life and spiritual life, and he calls it the biological life bios or bios, which is like a very medical term, I guess, right? Bios. Uh, and then the higher spiritual life he calls zoe, so bios and zoe, B-O-E and B-I-O-S. He calls those. So, okay, so if you were going to describe bios, bios life, how would you describe it? Like, what are some of the characteristics of the life we're living? We get old. We get old. When Kyle gets old, we're just done with him. Remember, don't forget when he's 80, we're done. Yeah. Um, we get sick. We get hurt. Uh, we suffer, all those things. But we get these glimpses in the New Testament and in the Old Testament of this other kind of life where like we read in Revelation where there'll be no more crying or suffering or death or pain. All those things will be wiped away. So kind of like latent in the New Testament and explicit even in the New Testament is this idea that there is this better life out there that is possible and promised even and it is not like the life you're currently living it is a different kind of life it's not just a better life it's a different kind any questions so far any question on that? what was the uh, blank up there is it whereas we did are i miss one created? yeah whereas we are created that yeah under roman numeral two number two Jesus is begotten by the Father, whereas we are created or made by the Father. Yeah. Sorry, I missed that one. That's okay. And then under bios, it's like but blank is in God. Yeah, so Zoe is that higher and different sort of life that exists in God, but bios is always tending to run down and decay. But Zoe is in God and Jesus from all eternity. And we're going to try to make sense of that because that's like a really odd did, sentence. Did he make those up in a sense? I mean, I know that was always like a word that means it, but like, did he kind of create that? Yeah, I'd have to go back and review that. But as I remember, I, I think he was just trying to come up with some words to help us understand it. And bios, like, you know, the whole biological, like having to deal with humanity and the world, I think is kind of where it comes from. Does that strike you as right, David? That's how I remember. Yeah. <laughs> Men without chest, he calls them people who like follow like a religious or divine view of life. He says like people of the Tao. I think he may have said that too. Yeah, yeah. So he's trying to include like people who like view the world from a religious lens versus kind of like a secular humanist lens. Hmm. Any other thoughts? All right, moving right along. So, um, so like you realize as we're as we're talking about this this kind of like life that we're all living which makes total sense because we're all living that life and we all get it and we know that you break down you get old and you die and all those crappy things uh in addition to a lot of fun things that are happening in this life like begetting but you know like so you know like we know 
that um, like this life really well because we're living it. But even as we allude to this other kind of life, we realize that like what is really definite and concrete in our mind as we're talking about bios, as soon as we switch and start talking about Zoe, it just gets like really faint and ephemeral and mysterious. And we, we kind of like realize we're, we're stepping into this territory that we don't understand because we're not living it, at least in the same way that we're living this life currently. And, uh, and so he says, let me try to help you understand that. And so he points to the Trinity. So anytime you point to the Trinity, try to help someone understand something, you're like, you, you realize you're dealing in, in difficult territory. So <laughs> let's, um, well, okay. So think about this question for a second. Just take 15 seconds to think about this to yourself. How does the Trinity work? This isn't a great discussion question. It's something to just ponder in your mind. How are three persons one and one person three? Holy Spirit, Son, and Father. How does that, how does that work? Like, how would you draw that? Think about that. Uh, how would you describe that to somebody? That's that's good. That sounds good, man. That's that's almost exactly what I've got going here. Okay, yeah. Just think about that for a second. Okay, so um, so this is a this is a podcast world. This is just a um, large piece of construction paper. It's green. And it's flat, like most construction paper is. And uh, so this this is two dimensional, right? Pretty obvious. Okay. So um, it, you know, like uh, it, so you got one dimension. If I were to draw a line on here, let's see. There you go. I might need another pen. You got another pen. Thanks, man. Okay, so if I draw this line, that's actually one dimension, so one directional, so left to right is one dimension. We got an engineer here. Correct me if I'm wrong, right? If a transformer blows up, we're in good shape tonight. And then, so this would be two dimensional, it's a square, right? Okay, so there's left and right, up and down, it's two dimensional. Okay, so here's my handy dandy box. I had to remake this. I didn't keep this from the last time I did this class. It's been a, a while making this again. I actually figured out an easier way to make it, so it didn't take nearly as long. I thought about it beforehand. So um, let me look at my notes again. So in our, you know, in our in our two-dimensional world, um, you know, like David and I are separate from each other. We're, we're like, we're not the same person. And, you know, like, Will and I, were separate from each other, right? We're, we're not the same person. But Lindsay and I, like, we are separate from each other in a sense. But, yeah, we're, we're married, and so we, we've done some begetting. And what happens when you beget is that you become one person, right? Like, the, the whole becoming of one flesh. That's the idea. Now, literally, like, I, you know, I go to work, and Lindsay takes the kids and goes to the children's museum or something so we're in separate places we're not you know together and so when when you say we're one flesh what you have to be talking about is some kind of other dimension or reality right like because in this world we're living she and i are separate from each other does that follow that makes sense okay so so that gives us this idea that just like something sacred is happening in a, in a marriage that something sacred is happening special and holy is happening between god the father and god the son which makes sense because we're talking about God. 
but that it's happening in the same sense like this cube so that if you have a have a square here that you can you can you can go into this other dimension which we're now in the third dimension Man, my props are so awesome if you go into this third dimension right that this square this cube has six squares on it right but the six squares are all part of one cube okay and that, that, that that's something like the way the holy spirit god the father and god the son relate to each other that it's only possible for three persons to be one and one person to be three in some kind of world or life that we're not currently in make sense so we get we get this hint you know that that there must be this other kind of dimension out there and we see that in in the trinity because even as i try to approach that trinity and try to understand it i realize that i'm really limited by my two-dimensionality but like theoretically i could i could i could grant that in some other dimension what the bible claims is possible with god the father the son and holy spirit might actually be a reality because okay. it because it could theoretically happen in some other dimension any thoughts about that? Ever thought about that before? Yeah. Yeah, it, he may even kind of say it. It almost just feels like it takes a hard question and just makes it more confusing. Like yeah. A little bit. Yeah. It's like, well, it's above what you can understand. It's like, oh, I wish I could understand it. But it's like I. Yeah. I, I get all yeah. the analogies that kind of help make sense of that. It's like, well, I'm not ever going to be able to understand it. Yep, yep. So um, he, gives this, he gives this example. So he says, this is why you pray. If you've ever wondered, like, what is my prayer doing? Uh, because, you know, what happens when you're praying is that, um, I think that may be one of the blanks. Pray. Lewis suggests that when we pray, we're entering that third dimension. So if you were to imagine Lindsay and... Um, you know, she's just put the boys down to bed, and she, she goes into the bedroom, kneels down beside the bed, and she starts to pray. And if you were to kind of like look into that scene, it, it would just look like really common and human. You got this person who's just kneeling by their, their bed, and she's talking, presumably to herself, right? But, you know, like it's just kind of a common scene, probably a scene that you've all like lived out before. Says, but, but what happens when we pray is that we're actually, so that, that's kind of like the two-dimensionality two of it. What you see, Lindsay beside the bed, kneeling down and praying, that's kind of the two-dimensionality of it. But what happens when we pray is that we're actually being pulled into this third dimension of God. This, this world that we can't see, that's unseen, but where like mysterious and wonderful things happen, like three persons being one and one person being three. And that when we pray, we're being pulled into that world. And so he's got this great quote. So that when we're praying, he says, God is the thing to which we, we are praying, the goal we are trying to reach. God is also the thing inside of us, which is pushing us on, the motive, power. God is also the road or bridge along which we are being pushed to the goal. Uh, is that quote on there? I don't remember if that quote's on. Okay, so he's, ta he's talking about a guy. He gives an example of a, a guy in his room praying. So God is the thing to which he's praying. He's the goal to which he's trying to reach. God's also the thing inside him which is pushing him on. He's the motive power. God is also the road or the bridge along which he is being pushed to the goal. So, you know, what looks really common and two-dimensional, looking in and seeing Lindsay praying, 
He's saying, you only do that because you, you do believe there's this other dimension that's happening. And you believe that when you enter that moment of prayer, even if it's this short, like, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, that somehow you're being transported into this higher kind of life where these great and wonderful things are happening. And um, so that's just kind of an important, important point he's making. We're going we're gonna to keep thinking about that. But he says what, what really like indicates our two-dimensionality, our kind of limited thinking, is when we think about time. Um, so I think that's one yet. Roman numeral four, bullet point one. Our two-dimensionality begins to show itself when we reflect upon God's relationship to time. So uh, like if you think about this question, um, how can God... This is one of the questions Lewis raises. How can God hear in any one moment? Like if we were all to stop right now and all pray at the same time, how would God hear each of us? Like, because if if no if my two sons are in the back seat and they're both talking at the same time, I I can't make it out. So, you know, there's I don't know what, ten of us or something in here. If we were to do that, like if we were to all stop at the same time and pray, how would God hear all of us? Similarly, in any one moment. In the world, let's say there's like a billion people praying in that one moment. How does God possibly make that out? That's crazy. Can't happen. Uh, so, that, so we're getting an idea of our two-dimensionality there, and it has to do with time. Or he says this, if, if God, um, let's see, how does he ask the question? If God knows what I'm going to do in the future, do I really have free will? Have you all thought about that question? If God knows what I'm going to do, how do I? So how have you worked that out? What have you decided? I'm just curious because I don't know. What do you think? If if God knows what we're gonna do in the future, how do we how do we have free will? It was one of Jimmy Allen's favorite Was it? discussions, the difference in foreknowledge and predestination. Uh. So I think it was like you could see that two cars are headed for one another and they're gonna crash but not be the one that caused them to crash, you know, that's what you would say. Um, yep. there's probably better ways of explaining it maybe, but that was one way. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Another way I've heard recently is that God can be sovereign over something but not make each individual thing happen, you could say. That's another way of kind of looking at it. He can be sovereign but not manipulate. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Anybody else have you, have you worked that out? Anybody else? How can God know what's going to happen in the future if we still have free will? Inception. That's a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, where yeah. you just kind of, and you get out of there, and you're like, that was so cool, and it must be, like, the, the, I don't know, I, I like stuff like that. So, for me, yeah. I feel like we we make our minds wrap around a lot of things that aren't necessarily plausible in our two-dimensional world, and I think that we just, so it, for me, it's easy enough to think, like, well, I just don't understand it. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, yeah, I agree. Let's see, Ryan, will you volunteer for me? Sure. So basically, you're being voluntold. Will you do this? Will you do this for me? Okay, I need, I need you to take this paper. Okay. And uh, I need you to draw on this paper a timeline. Do it on the other side. Yeah, do it on that blank side. Just across the paper, down the middle, a line. So just a straight line. And so at one end, it's a timeline. So at one end is going to be your birth over there on the left. And then, you know, theoretically, you'll die at some point. Unless the Lord comes back. Yeah. <laughs> but if you're not dead by then, just take you out back and put you down. So, um, all right. So think with me on that, uh, on that timeline for a second about some really significant, maybe like three significant events in your life. Remember you're saying that to Alex. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Most significant. Yeah. Is what brings us together today. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good call. Three. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and put graduating med school in 2020. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then somewhere in here, we're gonna put like first kid, maybe. Okay. That'll probably be three. Okay. Do you have a kid? Or you're talking about you're talking about this future kid? All right, this future kid. I like it. Future kid. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Uh, do you have a name for the future kid? Yeah. You got to figure it out? No, not yet. Oh, Ryan's got one. I see it. I see it. All right. Don't tell me. No, don't tell me. All, of, all the medical school things that we come up with, uh, you know, Lindsay, they're going to name their kid I Rat. Oh. Um, Rat. That's great. <laughs> sounds good. Yeah, it sounds, it sounds great. One of our buddies at um, church, who's also a doctor, his. They call this kid Cam. Pretty good. Man. I love these jokes. Great. Great material, guys. Really good. No, but it's fun to like joke like it is. So okay, so what's an event and it doesn't have to be one of these three, it could be something that you prayed a lot about. All three of them. Okay. Okay. Definitely pray about my uh, future as far as the work I do and the people that it'll affect and mm-hmm. my relationship with Allie and, you know, pray for 10 fingers, 10 toes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Especially because she works with kids that are not okay. Mm-hmm. Not where are you at at LeBonner? I'm in the basement. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So so let's just um so let's just hone in on one of them. We'll pray prayers for your future kid. Okay. So what Lewis says, and this is really helpful as we, tr- we try to transition kind of in our thinking from this two-dimensional to three-dimensional world is to try to wrap our minds around that, specifically as it relates to God's relationship to time. But he says, like, you and I are located on that timeline, but all of us are located in God. So that if, you, if, if, um, 
<coughs> if I were, if yeah, I'll just I'll just grab this from you, so that like we are all located at a place on this timeline, but the timeline itself is located in God. You know that like God is the paper on which the timeline is drawn. So some of you may have heard this metaphor before. If you did, they stole it from C.S. Lewis. Unless he stole it from somebody else, which is possible, I guess. But yeah, so that's that's the idea that like all of time is wrapped up in God. So he's writing during the um, World War II era, and so he says, you know, like um, God has infinite time because God is outside of time, or all time is bound up in God to listen to the prayers of a pilot as he's crashing into the ocean. You know, a fighter pilot is crashing into the ocean. He has like infinite time to consider that prayer. And he's got infinite time to consider this prayer for your future child that you are going to you know, lay beside your bed tonight and make that prayer, right? That, that God has infinite time to consider that because all of time is wrapped up in God. <clears throat> or he gives this example. So, you know, you can imagine that you were writing a novel. C.S. Lewis did this, a great example. He says, you know, you're writing that novel and you say, um, Sarah set down her, her piece of paper she heard a knock before. And if you were bound by the timeline in the novel, what would, hap- what would happen is that you would kind of observe while Sarah got up, walked to the door, and began to talk to somebody. You would just kind of what happens next, Sarah? Let's, let's go to the door. But you're the author of the novel. And so you can you know, stop typing, set the pen down, whatever. You can go get a cup of coffee. You can sit for three hours and just think about the person Sarah is. And just think like who if and just think that over and mull it over, right? And uh, the same way, that is not the same. That is very much similar to the way that God relates to time. That He's outside of it, or a better way of saying that is that time is inside of God. Um. So I think one of those points there is that God from above or outside or all around, contains the whole line and sees it all. I think that's number four, uh, A, two. Um, but then this is, so, you know, God has all eternity to listen to the to Ryan's prayers for his future child. God's got all eternity to listen to the prayers of this pilot, fighter pilot in World War II as he crashes into the ocean. But then what the most important thing is, and, and where this really comes down, and this is awesome, is that he, he says, you know, in John 1, Jesus is the um, Word. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Word is something you say, so Word is a function of speech. Right? So this is what he says. <clears throat> if God is outside of time, all time is inside of God. And Jesus is the Word of God, or the speech of God. It's not that Jesus came at a moment 2,000 years ago. It's that Jesus has always been God. God has always been Jesus. Or another way of saying that is God has always been saying the word Jesus. There was never a time when God was not saying Jesus. Because all time's bound up in God. That's, so now we're like really starting to stretch. You want me to say that again? I can. We want to. Okay. <clears throat> so, Jesus is the Word of God. So there's a function of speech. It's what Jesus is what God is saying. But if all of time is wrapped up in God, 
There was never a time when God was not saying Jesus. There was never a time when Jesus was not begotten of the Father. There wasn't a moment he was conceived that, that never happened. He has always been of the same kind of Jesus, of, as God, sorry. Jesus has always been of the same kind and always will be forever. So I think the blanks are God has always been Christ and Christ always God. That's really significant for a lot of reasons. One of those is that as you think about a lot of people really struggle with the God that we read in the New Testament or Old Testament versus the God in the New Testament. That's something we were talking about in class Sunday. That's a whole long conversation to have. But but I, I am really convicted that we that we see the fullest revelation of God in Jesus Christ. And uh, writers of the New Testament are convicted of that as well. And and so like that is who God has always been, what we see in Jesus. We may not have understood that on our human timeline, but because God's outside of that timeline, he, he's always been Jesus. Always. We just may not have understood that fully. That doesn't mean that Jesus is just our homeboy, though, because he's got things to say about judgment and um, living the right life and stuff like that. But uh, he's also got a lot to say about love and mercy and grace and those kinds of things. Oh, man, we got a lot to go. All right. Okay, so, oh, oh yeah, the, uh, he's got this great example I could have used to help. help. Yeah, I need two books. Yeah, I should have, oh, man, okay. it was on the next page. I could have made a lot more sense of that. And I got a lot of ground to cover in four minutes, so we'll do it, though. You got as much time as you need. <clears throat> well, I want to respect these time. All right, so here's two books. So, oh, that's an awesome book. Oh, Chronicles of Narnia. Is this the one you told me about that one time? I haven't ordered it yet because we're not to that point, but I think we're almost there. Okay, so um, so let's say uh, this, this book is book B, this bottom book. This book's book A. And... Um, I should have done something before I should do this, but anyways, okay. So, so what you would say is, if you were looking at these two books, is that the position of book B is causing the position of book A, right? Because book A is resting on book B. So if we were to eliminate book B, book A would just fall down. It wouldn't be sitting there anymore. So the position of book uh, B is causing the position of book A. That is the effect of this cause is this book in this position. So because we're limited by time, what we have to assume is, and you saw this, there was a moment in time when I or somebody set book B down so that book A could be set on top of it. Okay, that is the effect always follows the cause. You have a cause and an effect. Well, that's if you're bound by time. And if, if you are, are not bound by time, you know, those, those two things could have just always existed in that way. You know, there didn't have to be a, a precipitating cause before the effect. And, um, and, and he says, in the same way, the Son, who is begotten by the Father, did not begin to exist as God at some point. Rather, the Son has always been the self-expression of God. That is, God has always been saying, Jesus. Jesus. So the effect does not necessarily follow the cause. Okay, um, 
I'm gonna cover all this ground. You, you do have as much time as need, really. Like we've been so over lately, and you will not be even if you gave it your full. I think I can. I think I can finish and. You've been the most disciplined. Teacher. Just take take your time. I think I can. I can, I can go probably like three or four minutes or, or over. <clears throat> oh, it's just the male person. Okay. Uh, I would just say what you just said was so uh, deep and so relevant to so many things, like about even even just like our universe, uh, about things that aren't bound by time uh, versus things that are. And so that if things are bound by time, there has to be um, a cause to put an effect into motion. Yeah. Um, and that that's hugely relevant, I think. Yep. Yep. That if, if God exists outside of that time, then he doesn't have to have a cause. Yeah. Right? Did I say that right? Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. Anyway, I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's a nice way of kind of thinking about it. Yeah, he says, like, you know, if, if I hadn't shown you these two books and I said, imagine two books, one on top of the other, <clears throat> he says, like, a, a, you know, there's actually a process that's happening there is your imagination kicks in and then your imagination produces a picture in your mind of two books but it's instantaneous it happens just like that and he says that's kind of a glimpse of this third dimension where something like that could could just be instantaneous those two and and forever you know there there be no starting point and not be a process cause then effect and that's kind of hard for me even to wrap my mind around totally but he talks about that <clears throat> I would, I would just say, and I'm not trying to wear it out, but like growing up in the church, and I don't even know if I still, I probably carry some of this still today. Like I think of Jesus as starting like, in, you know, 4 BC, or whatever when he's yeah. born, like yeah. that's when I think of Jesus starting. And I remember hearing like in a Sunday school lesson, they were talking about how Jesus, you know, he was in the Old Testament. I was like, what? You know, he came to earth, and this is Jesus that they're talking about. I was like, what? <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah. So like I, it's still like kind of lost to me, and I don't know like where everyone is theologically on on that as a truth or what that means, or but um, I don't know that that's like taught super consistently. Or maybe I just missed it. Yeah, I mean it's, it was really helpful to me <clears throat> to like when I when I talk you know with people with faith struggles, and I haven't like solved all those faith struggles by any means. <clears throat> Usually the problems are with God and not with Jesus, you know, and problems with the world that God created and such like that. So it's really helpful to me in those conversations, helpful for my like personal faith to be like, well, let's just let's just like, talk about Jesus, like see if we can get to God, and um, which it does, doesn't seem like cheating, according to Lewis, because Jesus has always been God, and God has always been Jesus. And so it's just like a different entry point into the same conversation, but it's usually a helpful one for me. I think, yeah. that's, I think that's insightful. So you go from, from Jesus to God as opposed to from God to Jesus. And there, and there are people who are like, you know, like, you know, William Lane Craig, for example, a brilliant apologist, and he can work, he can work the other way. I'm not good at that. But uh, and he doesn't work the other way all the time. But he, he, you know, he does a lot of like the evidences of God and stuff like that, which is great. But um, for me, it just works better, even in my personal faith, to start with Jesus and kind of work backwards. And again, that's the two dimensionality. Then 
timeline, but yeah. that helps me. I think it's so interesting what you said in class yesterday, um, because it, you know the writers of the New Testament or of the Old Testament, and I know like scriptures inspired by but they did not know Jesus yet. They just knew God, and so had those writers known Jesus, like some of that, how they recounted that could have been, you know, different. It was, yeah. it was they were limited by their two dimensionality. Yeah. So yeah. I think it's interesting to think about. Um, anyway, and then I also would say to that is that I love that now they have like the Jesus Storybook Bible for kids because, like you said, you know, us growing up when we read our our Bibles were our kids' Bibles didn't really talk about Jesus at all until, like, the manger, you know? But now you, they really, like, weave in Jesus all throughout the Old Testament because he really is there. And I do remember in school, and I went to a Baptist private school in Moscow, so talking about all the foreshadowing of Jesus and of Christ in the Old Testament, there's so much of it. And I, you know, I do, anyway... The Old Testament is there, I think, to point to Christ, obviously. So he's there, but I think we don't think of him as showing up till later. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Like, it, it, you can only kind of get your mind around this if, if you think about how you read Scripture. And if, if, if Scripture, all of it, is, you know, like automatons kind of sitting, writing what God was, you know, having their hands write, you know, move and say, and whatever. Like they're just kind of, dic- you know, writing down what God is dictating. Then that does it does make some of the differences between Old and New Testament problematic. Not impossible, but problem difficult. And uh, but if you, but if you kind of view Scripture as witness, like human witness to God as we understand Him in this time and place, then you then it's you know at least easier not. It's still not some insurmountable challenges there, but um, it's at least easier to get like, well, I understand why they didn't, they didn't get it as well as Paul got it, or they didn't see this exactly like Paul sees it, uh, because in their two-dimensional world, Jesus hadn't arrived yet. But it's not that God changed, but it's that you know now they fully understood God because they got to see Him. Okay, let me try to bring this home. So, uh, okay, you can imagine if, I, if you were walking, I've given you this a couple times, a couple places. So um, you can imagine if you were walking down the street, in, let's say on Beale Street, and I told you, um, hey, uh, Allie, is it Allie? Hey, Allie, will you take this uh, beer bottle and put a rag in it, light it on fire, and throw it into this storefront window? You'd be like, nah, I'm not going to do that. Or if I was like, Allie. Will you take? Will you um, like go turn over this police car and light it on fire? You like well, one that's going to be hard, but no, probably not going to do that. Now let's imagine that we were with like five thousand other people, and um, we, were, we were walking down Bill Street and we were all really upset about something. Suddenly, when somebody puts that bottle in our hand, or when that that police car is right there, and everybody rushes towards it, doing those things that seem irrational by ourselves don't feel so irrational. So we have a term for that. We call it the what? Mom mentality. And um, the reason we have a term for it is because it's like an identifiable thing, even though you can't touch it, but you can see it working. And, and that's one of those glimpses into this other dimension. And so if you were to describe the mob mentality, you would say it's, um, you know, sometimes it's violent, 
hostile, irrational, um, angry. And as you, as you use those descriptors, it sounds like you're describing a mad person, like a being that's inhabiting all these people, animating them to do something they otherwise normally wouldn't do. We, we can give other examples like peer pressure works like this. Peer pressure isn't a thing you can see, but it's a, it's a phenomenon you can witness. Right? You can't touch it, you can, you can witness it. Okay, so in this, okay, that's kind of like a, a window into this, into the Holy Spirit. So that's five, number three. And uh, we acknowledge that the Holy Spirit is a real thing, but what we know is that it's happening in this dimension we can't see and touch. It's kind of like Stranger Things, the upside down. Uh, has everybody watched Stranger Things? Yeah, because if, oh my goodness. I know. Uh, all right, well, we'll pray for you. So, uh, yeah, but like there's this, there's this upside down world where we can't see but we know that there's things happening there that are affecting the real world. So this is, this, is, um, this is what he says. So if you were to describe the love that has always existed between Jesus the Father and, sorry, God the Father and Jesus the Son, if you were to describe the bond between them, you would say it's, it's loyal, steadfast, faithful, you know, I don't know what other words you would use. I was going to say forgiving. They don't have anything to forgive. Um, patient. patient, kind, okay. Now we're in 1 Corinthians 13. So if you were to describe all those things, it would sound like you're describing a person, attributes of a person. And what Lewis says is you are describing a person, you're describing the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the love that has always existed outside of time between God the Father and God the Son. That's the Holy Spirit, the person, the Holy Spirit. And so to be inhabited by the Holy Spirit, the Zoe life, must be the greatest possible reality for the greatest possible life. To be inhabited by the love that God the Father has for God the Son must be the greatest possible life. That's what you most want. Uh, but he says, if you want to get warm, though, you have to stand near the fire, which is a great Garth Brooks song, by the way. <laughs> Life's not tried, it's just merely survived if you're standing outside the fire. Okay, last, last point, and hopefully this brings it all home. So let's go back to the Power Ranger. So if um, he, remember he makes this, he says, this is the purpose. The Son of God became a man to enable men to become sons of God. So begotten, he, the, son, the begotten of God became created to enable the created to become begotten. It's kind of a mouthful. He's trying to move us from bios to Zoe life. The whole purpose for which we exist is thus to be taken into the life of God, that Holy Spirit love between God the Father and God the Son. Our purpose is to be drawn up in that. So if, um, this, if, if I had the power to make this, this Power Ranger come to life, and uh, like I, I you know, turned his plastic into flesh, and I brought him to life, and I was like, hey, man, I've given you real life. How does it feel? And he said, you know... Eric, you know, I'm, I'm kind of pissed that you did this because my plastic was kind of awesome. Like, you know, your son could drop me. It didn't really hurt that bad. I couldn't really get scratched, but now I've got this flesh and it's kind of crappy and it, it deteriorates and stuff. And, and like, um, you know, now I've got problems with, you know, my relationships and um, car crashes and all these kinds of other things. And he's, so he's like complaining to me because I, I gave him this better life. 
well, I'd be, I'd be like, no, man, I, I made your life a lot better. And he's like, no, no, I wish I was just plastic and you hadn't done this to me. And if, 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 if he did that to us, we would be mad, right? Like we'd, we'd like break off a couple arms and throw them in the trash can because we'd, we'd be really annoyed with him. But he says, that's not what God does to us. And the same thing's happening, that God's trying to pull us from this crap life into this great life, this totally different kind. And we resist it. And the reason we resist it is sin. Um, we think, because of our sinfulness, that we are living currently the greatest possible life we could be living. And our, our sinfulness prevents us from seeing into that third dimension of what a better life could be like in God, what Zoe life could be like when we're just living bios life. Um, so he's, so the bios, the natural life, is resistant to Zoe, the spiritual life. That's number two there. So God, instead of breaking off our legs or our arms and throwing us in the trash, what God does is to become, and when I use the word become, it's going to be problematic because of what we've said about time. God has always been Jesus. Jesus has always been God. But because we're limited by two dimensions, I just can't work that out totally right now. But what God does isn't to break our arms and throw us in the trash. What He does is to become like us, created, in order to resist the impulses of creation, my sinfulness, sinful flesh, in every way, he resists them. And because he resists them, he is drawn totally into this Zoe life, like you and me in this metaphor, so that all of creation, everything that's been made, might be drawn into that life too. So somebody had to move from Bios to Zoe, to use Lewis's terms. And so God just takes care of that so that we can all move that way. Um, he says this, the business of becoming a son of God, of being turned from a created thing into a begotten thing, of passing over from the temporary biological life into timeless spiritual life has been done for us. Humanity is already saved in principle. But, to use Garth Brooks' metaphor, you know, the takeaway is you need to be as close to that life as you can be. You need to be standing near the fire to get warm. And um, so he says, you need to be drawing close to him to catch the good infection. That's the metaphor he kind of goes into. But a bad infection, as you med students can tell me, is going to degrade your quality of life. A good infection, he says, improves your quality of life. Okay. You want to... Um, Shut that off. Sorry. Thinking about that. <clears throat> so thank you for tuning in, for listening in to the podcast, uh, not just for tonight, but for this year. It's uh, been, I think, 15 episodes. And if you listen to some of those or just one of those, or maybe you listen to all of them, I think that's awesome. That's what this is here for. It's, uh, you know, just a little bit of effort to record them, but uh, hopefully it means a lot to you. If you miss and you're able to listen, or if you've never even come and you've been able to listen, I hope that you've gotten something out of it. And so Eric did a great job. Uh, thankful that he came and Lindsay came and his kids came to spend the night with us and uh, to learn together and discuss together. It was really great. So that is it for Mere Christianity. We've said this probably 10 times, but if you haven't read it, it is definitely worth reading. C.S. Lewis has a way with words that uh, few ever have or ever will. We will be back. January 8th, I believe it is, Monday, January 8th, so we won't be back on New Year's, of course, but we'll be back on the 8th for, I think, a lesson that's called The Best Year of Your Life. It sounds a little cheesy, maybe, and that's a 
kind of common topic for New Year's and things like that. But there will be a little bit of a twist on that. So it's going to be a focus on some spiritual areas of life and, and goal setting, yes, which is not a dirty thing or a bad thing. It's good to be goal-driven and task-driven. Um, and it's a way to prioritize your life in a way that glorifies God. And it's easy to make a resolution about losing weight or getting fit or going on a trip or something. But um, it's, a, it's a little bit more important, let's say, to prioritize things as they pertain to faith and life and family and, and things like that. So that's what that will be about. And then we'll move into a lesson on uh, a lesson series on the attributes of God. And then we're going to do a lesson series on apologetics. And then we'll wrap up with some uh, topics on biblical manhood and womanhood. And so that will be the second semester, as it were, of this first year of MDDDS, so the first part of 2018. I hope you're able to join us for that. It's been a great year. Thank you so much. I hope you have a blessed holiday season. We'll see you again in 2018. Thanks.